The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. You're listening to the Let Him Cook Podcast fueled by Cody Road and the Wild Rose Casino Studios. We are both remote today. Nigel, I'm going to start off with this. If you see a local journalist in Des Moines, I'm not sure if this is coming out Monday or Tuesday. Regardless, give him a compliment. Give him a hug. This might be the most stressful time for Des Moines local journalists in a four-year calendar stretch. The caucuses are going on. It's long days. It's a lot of live shots. Uh, we're right in the middle of it. So yeah, yeah. it's important times, but it's, it's a lot of work. Happy to be here talking hoops. What's going on in the sports world of Louisiana down there? Uh, I mean, it's pretty cold, allegedly. Oh, let me tell these, you about cold. For these southern folk down here, uh, at 27 degrees, mind you. So it's oh. a lot, a lot better conditions in Iowa. I do want to give my condolences to. Uh, I know, I know, we're close to Amanda Rooker. I know she's putting in a lot of work right now at, over at KCCI. So shout out to Amanda. Shout out to any other political journalists that uh, have probably the biggest day of their young careers right now. Um, so just I'm praying for you guys. Hope you guys get through the day safely, especially for photogs like you, Dill. But um, yeah, down here, I mean, big news. Biggest news for Louisiana wise is LSU lost to Auburn last uh, last night. That. So that was that was a pretty significant. That might they might stay at seven, given there was a lot of upsets last night. I mean, UCLA lost. Uh, yeah. Virginia Tech lost too. So I mean, women's basketball. There was some. There was definitely some parity for sure. Yeah, that's good to see, and there's been a lot of parody in the past week. Kind of feels like old news at this point, but last week we saw the number one ranked team lose once, Houston lost twice, Kansas lost once, and Tennessee lost once, and then almost lost again on Saturday. So moral of the story, nobody's safe. I don't care what you're ranked um, in the AP. So I think Kentucky lost, too. They lost to A&M. Yeah, no T. Wade Taylor, man. That guy is a real deal. Yeah, they're they're I, I it's almost like a win like that makes me not as like how could we lose to A and M back right. in November, you know? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that that A and M backcourt and they kind of have a, a a sleeper of an arena. That venue was yeah. popping in overtime, and I know Kentucky's probably the biggest draw they get, but I mean that yeah. was that was a good crowd. That was a good atmosphere. Yeah, Kentucky's always going to be everyone's Super Bowl. I feel like in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, not quite a Super Bowl caliber team yet in the Big 12. Houston kind of came in looking to be, you know, with the Kansases, with the Baylors, off to a bit of a rocky start, and it started in Hilton uh, and Iowa State. I think really the difference in the game is getting off to a 14-0 lead. And one complaint that I've kind of heard during the Otzelberger era is like slow starts. And then this team has to kind of claw their way out of, you know, a a seven, eight point deficit early in the game was not the case on Tuesday. How important looking back was that 14-0 lead? It was huge. And I I honestly did not expect it. I was like, it got to like 10. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like Taven's hitting spot up threes. I'm like, whoa, we're like, these, these guys are hooping right now. And I just think too, like it was a huge, testament to make the first punch like we talked about it last week of how important that was and then on top of it houston not used to the big 12 atmosphere at all i mean they're kind of just thrown into the fire being that that's their first road test in in the big 12 is is ames iowa which we already know 
the Big 12 on the women's side is all already openly admitted that Hilton is the hardest place to play at. I hope, I wish at some point the men's side, all the Big 12 teams would come to that same realization too and be openly admitting and be like, yo, aside from Allen Fieldhouse when the whistle is, isn't yeah. playing against you too as a six man, uh, Hilton Coliseum is the number one hardest place to play in the Big 12. And I, yeah. I think th- for being the weather conditions that not only it is today, but it was uh, last week at the Houston yeah. game, the fact that people are walking, taking my advice, shout out to you people, walking to the game. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's Iowa State grit. I think that's the tone that was set. Was it, the culture that we have? It was contagious, and I think that's what was behind the fourteen to nothing run. I think the players came out and they could feel that. They felt cold, angry, hungry Iowa State fans. They're like, let's let's put on a show, and I think that's what happened. And Houston did, you know, <laughs> battle their way back into the game. But like I told you before, it was going to be a rock fight. It was going to have to get ugly, and a fifty-seven to fifty-three score is the complete you know, result of that. Yeah. Two things on that. Um, I don't know who is in charge of big 12 scheduling, but giving Houston's first road game at Hilton Coliseum, nasty business. Love it. I like, like it. Not, not starting them at like at, you know, uh, TCU to start their big 12 yeah. campaign. It's like, no, go to Ames in the middle of winter. Uh, the other thing, not a basketball uh, reporter, but a wrestling reporter, Ben Visser, Cross-country skied to Hilton Coliseum. That's dedication. It was just out that there on the road. That a little extra, but I love the, I love the spirit. It was, it was a great video. So shout out. Any way you can get to Hilton is worth it. Uh, here's the thing, though. Houston, outside of that 14-0 start, looked like the second-best team in the country. And I know they lost uh, to TCU over the weekend. I'm not sure how far they're going to drop in the AP. But that backcourt was just as impressive as they've been built. LJ Cryer had an off game, but Emmanuel Sharp, that guy has maybe the quickest release in yeah. all of basketball. That guy can get a three-point shot up in a half second and make a lot of them. And then Jamal Sheed is just a dog, man. He's mm-hmm. just – he's a pit bull. He was blocking centers shots at the rim. Like that guy – him and Taman Lipsy were just like the unstoppable force against the immovable object on both sides of the ball – that was probably my favorite matchup to watch. And on a bigger picture, this is just my brand of freaking basketball. Like these yeah. two teams just play incredible team defense. They crash the boards. There was like an awesome, not awesome, and I feel bad for Rob Jones. He kind of got fish hooked. But it just looked like 1988. It looked like the Pistons against the Bulls and the Palace of Auburn Hills. It was awesome. Like I, I just loved every minute of that game. These two teams are just the embodiment of Big 12 basketball. It was just a great game to watch if you love good defense in college basketball. Yeah, and it's funny you call Sheet a pit bull because I've I've been in previous episodes I've called uh, Taman a pit bull. Yeah, and just you know dude. you close your eyes, it, you look like you're at in Michael Vick's backyard, just two pit bulls going at it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I mean, I'm not like, sure we can keep that one in. We'll see about that. Hey man, I have a pit bull, so I, I they, okay. they're all jokes. They're okay. all jokes. Okay. Anywho, I'm just saying that I mean it, it. It is a testament to how physical the play is, and I love that teams like Iowa State are able to set the tone for what the conference is to be for these yeah. new members. Because, like you said, it is kind of dirty work for the conference or TJ to schedule a Houston game that early, especially when they're at home. But they could have taken the easy route. I, I commend Houston for just biting the bullet getting a loss out the way, learning what it's like to play in the Big 12 early as opposed to BYU uh, in Cincinnati playing each other. It's like I get you guys are both new members, but you guys got to go play a seasoned vet 
in the league. You know, that, that I yep. felt like that was a initiation for all the new teams. And I'm glad Houston took the challenge early on. And hopefully they learned their lesson. And it's it's just it's it was a great it was a great game. And uh, I was I was just so excited to see them get a, a, a win like that this early. Yeah, and it was a huge win. I think a couple – another crazy thing about this game, Houston never let from tip to buzzer. Houston, Iowa State was ahead the whole time, and I can't tell you how impressive that is. And Houston, they made it interesting. It wasn't like Iowa State had them at arm's length the whole game. I mean, Houston really got back in that game to the point where it was like down the stretch and either team could win this game. And Iowa State kind of, I mean, they just wouldn't let Houston get over the hump. You see a lot of teams and a lot of coaches are saying, all right, just – as soon as we take the lead, then the game opens up. Just get one point above them at any point in the game and then go from there. And I would say just wouldn't let that happen. Um, another thing I want to point out, Kelvin Sampson, who I have a lot of respect for, I think he's been one of the best coaches in basketball. Nigel, I'm not sure if you saw his uh, post-game press conference. I saw it. Shout out to Jake Brand. Yeah, Jake had a, had a great, I think, unedited, just the full clip. He, he was asked about who the most physical team was. And again, there's nothing. I don't think that question was like a shot at, you know, he didn't have to say Iowa State or Houston. Just say, you know, both these teams are super physical. It was fun to watch. I think Iowa State got the better of us tonight. They played a great game. Props to them. That's not that hard to say. Instead, he said, you know, I can look at what the free throw. I think Iowa State shot 12 more free throws than Houston. Yeah. But the thing is, Houston shot way more three-point shots. Yeah, so, so you're not getting to the basket. You're not getting fouled. Exactly. Like, it's not like – I mean, Iowa State got a couple of favorable calls. You do every game. But it wasn't like Houston was just going to the rim and getting attacked. They just right. weren't going to the rim. So you're not yeah. going to go free throws. Well, so that, that statement kind of annoyed me. He, I mean, maybe he didn't look at the box score yet. But it's very clear if you just look at that game by the numbers, it's like, yeah, no shit. Iowa State got fouled more. They weren't shooting 33s in that game. Well, I think so. I think his whole press conference, because it was so short, it was very emotional. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I don't think he thought in the moment, like, that was a fun game. Like, they never right. led. They they were down 14-0 to early. It was yeah. a football score. And then they never led the entire game. And then they lose at the hands of a freshman with a Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway. But his Samson's exact words were, we pissed down our leg. Yeah. And – I find that hilarious because I've sent you the 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 coach 30 videos of the, yeah. the guy who makes the skits. He's acting like a coach, watching film. And that's like his his main go-to insult. And I just love how a real coach in real time said, when playing Iowa State, we pissed down our leg. I love that we make grown men piss down their legs. I mean, yeah. that is just – if you're a basketball team doing that, brother, it's going to be a fun season regardless. That's that's Hilton Magic. And Nigel, you brought up this play, and I really want to give this play the time that it deserves. Yeah. So, actually, a couple things. I'm going to bring it back to, I think, maybe a minute half left in this game. Samson is drawing up a play, and I'm almost assuring you that he's drawing up this play, thinking Iowa State's going to come out man, because Iowa State has played man-on-man, switch at the screens the whole game. So I guarantee you whatever the hell he was drawing up was anticipating that. Yeah. And Otz has done this before. They come out in a 2-3 zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they finished that possession in a 2-3 zone. But just starting in a 2-3 zone, I don't remember who's bringing the ball up for Houston, but you're like, well, shit, now we can't run that play. Yeah. But one, I want to commend TJ. I think that's a great just kind of chess move 
And then two, Iowa State was really struggling to run their offense. And with about 10 seconds left on the shot clock, Otts kind of sees this, calls a timeout. That is not enough coaches take that timeout. You can tell mm. your offense is sputtering. You absolutely need a basket on this possession. Call a timeout. If you have them, use them. And that was where he drew up this play. And I don't know what was drawn up because we didn't see the play come to fruition, thankfully. Taman Lipsy was supposed to get the ball, though, on that inbounds play. And Jamal Sheed's just playing incredible preventive defense and doesn't mm. even let Lipsy touch it. And the whole time – no, I'm sorry. Sheed would have been on Momchilovic because that's who he shot it over. So yeah, maybe no, Cryer – Cryer was on whoever was guarding Lipsy was doing it. I thought Cryer and Lipsy were guarding each other for a decent amount of time. Okay. Then I bet it was Cryer on Lipsy. Yeah. Um, but the whole time, as soon as Momchilovic sees Sheet on him, he's like, "Oh, give me the give me the rock! Like this kid is too short. There's no way he's contesting my fade." And literally from the second they inbound that ball, his hand, he's calling for the ball. A freshman with the game on the line against the number two team in the country. And that, that's kind of what I want to speak to. You can be a great shooter. Steph Curry is a, you know, probably the best shooter ever. Not every shooter has that clutch, like, hey, I want the ball with 30 seconds in the game on the line. That is yeah. a different type of shooter. That's a different type of pressure. How important is that going forward to have a guy like that on this team that's a closer? I think it's huge, and I think given that, the the turnaround fader is just not normalized in college. In fact, I feel like it's probably like, hey, don't do that. Right. So the fact that because I, I I kind of view TJ in a lot of ways at times offensively as more conservative. Like I feel like for most kids, if they are shooting that, he's like, cut that shit out, buddy. All right, yeah. stop it. And yeah. I just feel like Milan had to have been hitting these and Rob and Trey and everybody's face for days on days on days on day for this to be like his go-to uh-huh hey nothing but net like what bro in the clutch you, like the cojones sorry yeah. to get my lingo on my iowa folk but the cojones on that lanky freshman from wisconsin i mean just props to milan i mean he, he's uh, you're built different up here you're built different yeah. when you can when you can have the composure to do that in front of your home crowd i mean that that kid probably didn't get any sleep that night. Yeah. And then fading, I don't fading opposite shoulder is so tough. And to do that in that situation, yeah. The only thing now though, anytime I see him miss, not an easy jump shot, but a lot easier than that. I'm like, Doug, how are you making that one? <laughs> and you're missing this one. That's the that's like the only thing that like hurts him on this is like I've seen you make an impossible shot. You gotta hit the easy one. Well, it's weird because it's but, like I feel like the game winner was the angle is weird because it's like yeah. he's landing by Kate Kelderman, like end of the bench. Right. <laughs> like, so it's already on a weird angle. So he, it's almost like you're eliminating, in I view, you're eliminating the rim. I mean, the, the backboard, excuse me. Yeah. Because you very much could take that same shot and it could just hit the backboard, the side of the backboard, and then it's the worst shot of all time right. probably. But I think just given the fact that he's working on that odd angle, I think that's what makes it – kind of unguardable because i think the the if you as a defender you got a guy in the corner you're like he's not gonna shoot this so if i just stay home don't oversell anything so he doesn't drive past me i'm okay but someone like that who can knock down a shot like that so consistently i mean 
it's it's barbecue chicken, you know. Yeah. And I, I think it was on display. And to have a to answer your first question, to have a guy like that on this team, and I look at Milan like he could leave, but also I feel like he won't. I feel like he's gonna have a Halliburton yeah. career type this uh, in, at Iowa State. I am so excited to see that this early in his career, he's not afraid of those moments because I think it's going to be huge going forward. And on top of that, you know, 15 seconds later, Iowa State gets the defensive rebound. And again, speaking to Taman Lipsy, trusting his teammates, Taman Lipsy secured the ball and passed it directly to Momchilovic before Lipsy could get fouled. And that's another crazy thing. Trusting this freshman who just like got the biggest shot of his life go trust him to put the game on ice and hit two free throws, which is exactly what he does. Yeah. So it, it's not even that one shot. He also put the game on ice to go up four in, in the final seconds of the game. So well, it's, it's just crazy. Cause like I look at their demeanors a lot too. And Lipsy and Milan both have such a calm, like mature yeah. vibe to them. Like on the court, they look like they've been there before and Taman has. So I think Taman, if, if you're going to, if anyone on the floor is going to trust a freshman in that moment, yeah, I think Taman is more likely to understand, like if Milan's got it, because Taylor, if out of anyone on the floor, you know, who's been a battle-tested freshman, Taman would know. Like, right. I feel like, you know, not to pawn them against each other, but Gilbert and Taman didn't have the same responsibilities in the conference that they were playing in their freshman seasons, you know, yeah. individually. So I think maybe if the ball's in Keyshawn's hands, he's probably like, ah, I don't know, let me let me take this myself, you know. Right as opposed to Taman being like, you know what, we're going to go to Milan. And I think it was a huge, you know, chance as a leader because Taman, at the end of the day, you look at him as a sophomore. I mean, I up here mentally, I feel like he's just so mature that he he just knows and has great instincts all the time to make the right play and go to the right person, even if it isn't himself. Because, I mean, his, his jump shot's improved, obviously. He could have taken a shot. Who knows? But, you know. He had the selflessness in that moment to be like, "All right, let's go to Milan." So I, yeah. I think it was it was great. I think it was a great display of their their ability to play off each other, and again, just Taman's like second to none instinct. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to highlight. I'm almost positive it was the same play, but if it wasn't, it was late in that second half, and I want to highlight it because this play speaks to me as a not so great pickup basketball player. It's the old. So let's say the guard pick up the ball and is looking at you. I'll just say how it is at Lee when I was at Lee. My buddy Danny picks up the ball and he's looking for an outlet pass, like to get the ball out of the post. If I'm open, that's fine. But if I if a guy's on me, I'm not really going to do much with the ball. But if I see a teammate that's open, I'm like, if he makes eye contact with me, I'm pointing at my teammate. Yeah. I'm like, don't, I'm like, not me. Like, this is not my shot. This is not my time. Give it to that guy. And I, I will find the open man for the guy with the ball and like just directing traffic essentially. And I like, you don't see it much in college because most college basketball players are a lot better at basketball than I am. Um, but okay. I, I'm pretty sure yeah, I'll, I'll admit it. You know, I'm not a D1 <laughs> basketball. No, uh, Trey King, I think did that. He was like, he saw mom on the mismatch. and was like, get the ball to him. So not only is mom calling for the ball, but like other guys on the court are like, no, like that guy's a killer. Get get that dude the ball. Yeah, and that was it was cool to me because I like that is one of my go to. That is my uh, my staple. That's my Dirk fadeaway is pointing to an open guy because I don't want to touch the ball. That is well, 
that's that's in my bag. Let me tell you we that. We need a sneaker of Dylan pointing to another teammate, and that's yeah. his signature move. That's my poster. It's that's- funny that Trey King did that because I I vividly remember when we were at OK State, OK State uh, last year, uh, Trey King missed a go ahead like game winner, and it was a bad shot. So it's I, it's just funny that even like one year later he has the maturity to be like, all right, look, I'm probably not the best option in this situation. Right. Go to the freshman, you yeah. know. And I just think I think this is the first Iowa State team in a while because even the 2019 team that won the Big 12, you we start to hear all these stories that they didn't have the best team chemistry. It was just a lot of talent in one room, so that's kind of how they found out and found their their way, but. Just like, like in recent times, especially the time I was in college, like I just haven't seen a team seem cohesively this mature throughout, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. I mean, they just seem so even keeled. And I, I feel like this is – I in the TJ era, I'd say this is his, like, first complete team. If if, right. if, if I'm wrong, correct me. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of our teams in the Ox era has – They've been good, but they've had clear weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They, they've had very clear Achilles heels where, like, if a team exposes that, if you can get us in a scoring drought last year of 10 minutes, we're not going to win the game. And yeah. it was very likely for us to go on a scoring drought to score four points in 10 minutes last year. Yeah, and I think this team just has too much talent, too much production to kind of fall into that same trap. Yeah, and, and Holmes, and if Holmes and Kalsher weren't on one, I mean, right. where it just go? wasn't the same team. Right. And I think we're just the complete opposite this year. So it's, yeah. I love it, dude. I, what do you think of, uh, cause they started Rob and brought Hassan off the bench. Do you like that lineup more? I, I think that's just kind of a, a good problem to have. I think you can get, get away with either guy starting. I was, I was a little nervous at first of doing that just because to start the season, I thought Rob did such a good job coming off the bench mm-hmm. and, and just kind of giving that, energy and that momentum off the bench I thought he just fit that role well and Hassan played so well to start the season I know it was three games against bad opponents but I think it's worked so like don't you know don't fix it if it ain't broke but I think right. you can kind of it's pretty interchangeable with those two guys and they play it's not like Rob is getting a bunch more minutes than Hassan like they they play close minutes and I I think I was listening to JJ Reddick's podcast I think people get and not just you, Nigel, but like just everybody a little too concerned about a starting lineup when I think mm-hmm. the most important lineup is like who's on the court with two minutes left. Yeah. I think your closing lineup is like that's those are the five guys that you'd go to war with yeah. when shit's hitting the fan. So I, ironically, the six man usually is in that last two minute lineup because yeah. you need to right. score most of the time. Right. But I, it's funny. I just I was asking it mainly because Rob is like I've seen such an improvement on when he was kind of like just you could tell he was like a a deer in headlights at times when you yeah. get a board and he kind of wait for the contact and then go up and then he's wasn't the best free throw shooter his first two years here so it was like all right this is a dead possession we might as well get back on defense um so i just feel like he's so much better at putbacks this year and i feel like that's been yeah. a huge improvement and it's added another sense of offense to us that we didn't even have last year because he was waiting for that contact now i feel like he's kind of embracing it and it, i feel like it's all because he's getting stronger like he he looks like thicker pause but yeah he just he looks yeah. like a more solid player this year been in the weight room another thing kind of joking kind of not he made four consecutive free throws and that i'm not going to call it the difference in the game but like no, nah, get them in a three-point contest right now. 
that's not happening two years ago. Rob's not making four free throws in a row yeah. In, yeah. in a game two years ago. If so, he did, no, people I, would lose it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last thing I want to talk about with this Houston game, going back to Montchilovich, what it reminds me of on those Hoiberg teams, you kind of had two guys that could close a game, and it was Monte Morris and Nazmi Long. But I really, I mean, Brockington could take over a game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Shayok could take over a game. But in yeah. terms of like clutch, like, you know, you might only have six points, kind of like a Dame Lillard. Like, even if Dame's having an off night, you're getting him the ball. And you saw it last night, you're getting him the ball with the game on the line. That's yeah. just what you do. And I think Momchilovich is going to fill that role. And I can't tell you how valuable that is in March, in the postseason in conference games. It's such a game changer. It is. It is some about these kids <clears throat> from Wisconsin that were yeah. number 22 <clears throat> in the Cardinal and gold. I mean, they just, they get it. They, they, they look good. They look good in it. They play good in it. They feel good in it. And, you know, we love them for it. And also since I'm, we're talking about kids from Wisconsin, we're number 22 shout out to Tyrese Halliburton on the Pacers bench, wearing his Iowa state letterman. I that mean, how proud, how more proud of an alumni can you be? It's it, you just love to see it, and I, I saw some of this discourse on Twitter. I don't know if I just realize it more because I am an Iowa State fan, but so many of these former Iowa State players they just rep Iowa State and talk about Iowa State wherever they go. George Niang is a big one. Nas Long still does it. Monte Morris still does it. They'll tweet about Iowa State winning. It's just cool to see Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, it's awesome. I just I, I mean, love to see I- that. If I was Monte Morris in his current situation right now, I'd be tweeting yeah, about any about other team winning just to ease the pain. But shout out to Monte. Um, yeah, no, I think, too, people just – I people forget about us. And I, I it's the yeah. fun part about us being a basketball school is, like, like a Houston can come in here and be like, ah, oh, this is Iowa State, you know, it's cold right. in here. Like, it's whatever. But, all right, keep that same energy. Yeah. Now coach is saying you pissed on your leg. What happened? Yeah. You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn. You need a diaper. You need a change. Big twelve bozos. You need to change your diaper. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma State, not new to Hilton Magic, maybe a little new to snow travel. They were having a hell of a time, and you won't hear it from me much. I want to shout out Baylor for one reason. Their women's team got here on like Wednesday, and they didn't play till Saturday. They got here Wednesday or Thursday. You're on break. I have no idea why Oklahoma State didn't do the same thing with their men's team. I digress. The game's supposed to be at 5 p.m. It starts at 7.15. Oklahoma State got, like, trapped at the OKC airport. Then they were going to try to go back to Stillwater and fly out. I don't – Mike Boynton tweeted about it. It sounded like a hot mess. Of yeah. Them I mean, Waco is farther, so it makes sense to get there earlier if they right. knew the weather was going to be crappy this weekend. But, uh, yeah, no, still – I feel like OK State should have still been in that same mentality of like we yeah. should get there Wednesday, Thursday frame. But go and on, what are you saying? So I I don't know how much that impacts the game. I know athletes and coaches are very routine oriented and it probably impacted Oklahoma State a lot more than it impacted Iowa State. Iowa State, at least you're still home. You have that comfortableness you have that kind of routine as i said you're in hilton you're getting shots up you play later than you expected maybe you started things kind of out of order but oklahoma state you're traveling basically until you get there for shoot around yeah and the only thing that makes me think maybe not oklahoma state got off to a quick start and Mm -hmm. i I thought they might start the game looking sluggish but iowa state you know kind of 
was down six, eight points early in that game. But I, I do think the travel probably had something to do with the outcome of the game. Yeah. And I, Oh, okay. Say for the past few years, I've had a little bad blood with them. Cause like last year we got swept by them yep. and I was like, how could, how did that happen? Like we, we've the last four encounters with OKC have been ugly yep. and we've been on the losing side of ugly games, obviously against Houston, complete opposite feeling. It's 10 times better when you're on the winning, winning side of an ugly win. Nonetheless, I digress. My big thing with OK State, the the beef started when I was a manager. So this is like the first game that the home game that I'm like actually helping around, like with teams getting in and out of the facility and whatnot. And mind you, it's COVID year. Cade Cunningham's on the team. Okay, sure. so this is a good OK State team. Right. And I'm holding the door for everybody. I'm like, I don't see Kate. I don't know where he's like in the back of my mind. I'm like, where's Kate? Like, is he right. sick or something? Is he not coming? So I'm like, that's a huge yeah, that could upside for us. We could get a big <laughs> win. Um, last guy on the bus gets off. Mind you, Kate is a class of 2020 graduate of high school, so he's a year younger than me. He walks in, Avery Anderson, all the other guys walk in, boom, boom, boom. He walks in, um, still holding the door for him. He looks at me. He's like, "Thanks, little bro," and I was like, "You motherfucker!" Come on, man. <laughs> I graduated before you, brother. Will you show me some respect. Do I have to pull up my ID? Come on, man. I understand I'm five eight, but relax with the little bro. Yeah, now, now you're the little bro. You're a little bro in NBA with uh, three wins on your hand. So funny how life life turns on you fast. But that that's where my beef with OK State started, and then the the last four games that we've played as Iowa State have been just abominable. So I this 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 win was a long one coming. So yeah. I, I was so glad to see this one uh be a convincing one at that too. So huge win for the the Cyclones. We were kind of speaking about scoring droughts for Iowa State in past years. So Oklahoma State was stuck at 15 points from about 12 and a half minutes in the first half to six minutes in the first half. And in that, <clears throat> Iowa State didn't pull away in that six-minute stretch. Yeah. But that's when you can feel kind of Iowa State being like, dude, we're so fucking tired of losing to Oklahoma State. They just, that's kind of when they put their foot down. It's like, this ain't ha- – like, this is not the day we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, that was kind of the sigh of relief for me. Again, I was just – I don't know if it's the Iowa State pessimism in me, but I was like, dog, if we beat Houston and lose again to Oklahoma State and we're going to have to kind of like – change the mood of the podcast to make it i was like we cannot we can't yeah, lose I, mike Morton. this team is ass it's funny how we like think now like we we want good things to happen obviously because we're fans but it's like man right. the podcast is gonna suck now it, <laughs> it, save the podcast that, yeah that's win not, for the podcast know? boys if you're gonna if you're gonna win win for the podcast come on do it for the pod let him cook yeah uh no you it, can't it, cook it, if you don't give us any food also, I want to. I, I told everybody at KCC, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen against Oklahoma State. Take the under. And what a finish. There was not a point scored by either team in the final three minutes of that game. Yeah. That is an ultimate underplay. I'm not sure who's calling that one up in Vegas, but what, in, what a finish for an under. If, if you have the under and there's no point scored by either team in the final three minutes, what a, what a cherry on top of the cake that is. Yeah. And I feel like it's weird. For betting wise, for the Big Twelve this year, I think the under and the over, depending on matchups, are going to be locks. Yeah, 
Cause like, uh, what was the game? Uh, TCU in Oklahoma, I believe. I was, what was it? Kansas. I could have sworn it was a TCU game, but it was a very high scoring TCU yeah. game. And that seems like a team that usually is more, you're more likely to get in a shootout with, as opposed right. to we got to muck it up. Um, so yeah, I feel like big 12, like it depends. You, I guess you have to know your personnel as a fan of yeah. what is this game? Who are these teams? You know, and then I feel like either one of those is going to be a lock for it. And it's going to vary from game to game. Yeah. You take two teams like Iowa state, who is now according to Ken Palm, the second best defense in the country, only behind Houston, who they just beat. Um, and then against Oklahoma state, who's got a bad offense on a weird travel day, smash that under that under might've been the lock of the century. And I think yeah. it cleared by like 15 points. So it wasn't even, you didn't even have to sweat that one out. You did uh, mention though, um, earlier in the day that, uh, Saturday matchup between the Lady Bears and the Cyclonets. Yeah. I mean, uh, how week- about Bill Fenley and the ladies? What a they- week for Hilton Coliseum. 4-0. Yeah. yeah. And against three Well, two, it was uh, like, and I know we don't want to give, we don't want to give shots to Iowa. Like, we don't like the Hawkeyes. We're sure. very vocal about it. But Fair. shout out to Iowa because we do like Drake. You know, Dylan and yeah. I are big Tucker DeVries guys. Um I, I I was very it was it was heartwarming to see Iowa, you know, kind of come together through basketball in a, a difficult weekend nonetheless for climate wise. I just to see the entire state say, you know what, we're gonna run this town tonight, like Rihanna yeah. and Jay Z and, and mm-hmm. they handle business. And it was it was great to see. I mean, but also I just want to get back to the 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 Baylor Bears, number four in the nation, have they now have Fritz on their team. You know, yeah. so it's kind of like a Kylie Fuhrbach awkward situation. Right. And, you know, you got you got a team with a lot of freshmen, you know, putting you in your place. So it's it's the grass is not always greener on the other side, especially in Waco. These these freshmen, they're special. This That's a really fun women's team. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Audie and Addie stick together for four years, I really do think this guy is the limit on the women's side because they are incredible players. Just yeah. As freshmen. I was shocked they gave 24 to Addy coming into the year because I was like, I thought they were going to retire that thing. What we haven't that's not in the Raptors already. So I was like, she better be good. And she is not disappointed. I mean, she's just, she seems like she cares so much already about Iowa State and doing a good job here. And yeah, do the good and the bad of a freshman campaign. As long as I'm seeing that, um, in our, in young guys, whether it's on the men or the women's team, you know, I can't complain. And I mean, Crooks. More like cooks because she's barbecue chicken all That's night. I, I have not seen a woman dominate like that since 2000 Shaquille O'Neal. Like it, yeah, she's no. an actual problem. <laughs> that's what I was saying. She literally, that's what it reminds me of. It's like the most dominant. I'm not saying she's the best, you know, women's basketball player. I think she's already in the running for the most dominant. And I know there's a lot of great post players in the women's game right now. But I think especially a year, two years from now, I don't really know how you stop that good of footwork, that good of skill in the low post with her yeah. size. I, I like I that is such a unique combination. Cause she's six four, right? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly after yesterday, I, if you put her in front of Angel Reese right now, like I don't know yeah. if Angel has the easiest night defensively. Because Angel can change a game with length, but right. Audie's gonna just you know, she's going to beat you over to the media table. She, 
you mess yeah. around and find out. So she's she's gonna be good for the long term. So just shout out to the ladies, you know, big win. Uh, this is definitely I'm very impressed with Fenley losing a lot of good girls in the off season, and we had a lot of questions. And just him being able to, you know, find a way with young, hungry girls with something to prove. So it's it's really really cool to watch. We've had a lot of great coaching jobs, and outside of Otts, I mean, you look at Matt Campbell, kind of the same thing. A lot of questions going into the season. They have a, a bowl game trip. Mm-hmm. Finley, same thing. Ashley Jones, you know, off to the WNBA. Donarski transfers. Fritz transfers. A lot of questions. They've answered the bell. Otts is kind of the only guy that had. And not even didn't have national expectations, but I think internally from the fan base, pretty clear that this is probably Otz's best roster. You got the five-star kid coming in from Waukee. You know, a lot of hype around the program, and I I think everybody's answered. Just a good a good time to be a Cyclone. It always is. Yeah. Some days are better than others. Pretty good week to be a Cyclone. I do oh, yeah. want to get back to the Oklahoma State game, and just it, it was a masterclass of Otzelberger basketball. <laughs> 42 to 16 points in the paint. Iowa State had 42. Oklahoma State had 16. Oklahoma State turned the ball over 20 times. Iowa State turned the ball over nine times. They out-rebounded Oklahoma State, who is, you know, Oklahoma State, not a great team, really good rebounding team. To out-rebound them was impressive. And, you know, Iowa State, if they control turnovers, points in the paint, and rebounds, good luck. Good, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care how you shoot. I don't care your percentage from the field. If Iowa State can control the game in those three aspects, it's going to look like how it did against Oklahoma State. I mean, it was just kind of pure domination in the second half. They just had, you know, wards flying for alley-oop dunks. They were just having fun by the end of it. And that was just a great kind of punctuation on the week of Hilton Magic. Without a doubt, yeah, no. I mean, like like I said, OK State was kind of like a – it was a game that you're not expected to like if you're Milan or uh, any other freshman on the team, you're not expecting to get real excited for because it it's like, what's the right. hype? But given the history recently, I think that was probably a huge locker room motivation for TJ to let's not let you know, let's not have a Houston hangover. You know, how do we build off of this? And I think that was this is a perfect game to a you beat Houston. All right. Now we got to play a team that we haven't gotten over the hump against. Let's do that now while we're riding high and playing good basketball. And that's the thing. I think people forget it's not always easy to, you know, get focused after a big win, like what we had against Houston. You saw Nebraska, you know, pull off the unthinkable against Purdue, walked into Iowa City and got mollywhopped. So, like, if you don't keep that laser focus, you're going to drop a game you probably shouldn't. And I think that speaks to this team, too, of not letting – and again (laughs) – one thing I really liked, you saw all these upsets and you saw teams storming the court. I get students aren't there at Iowa State. Just kind of what we do. <laughs> We've had seven top ten wins against against teams in the last two years. Dillier, like, I don't even know if you call that an upset. I know Iowa State was, wasn't was favored in that game, but it was like, okay. Like, yeah, we, we beat you and we led the whole game. We're not going to storm the court. It was just awesome. I thought that was just like a – Y- y'all ain't ready for this. Like that was just like a, this is what we do here. That was, yeah. I loved it. And it's funny you bring up storm in the court. Cause I was like, I, I remember it was a year ago t- tomorrow. We played Texas, we beat him at home. I was sitting yeah. right next to Aiden and it was like, it was like a convincing win. I looked right. over and I'm like, are we storming the floor? Cause like someone might floor Tyrese Hunter. If we yeah. storm the floor. <laughs> yeah. Get that guy so, security ASAP. And, and, and Aiden looked at me. He was like, nah, we do this. And I was like, yeah. 
odd approach, but I'll take it. Because uh, yeah. I, I was assuming, like, this is probably going to be the first time we get to actually storm the floor. And um, at least in my time at Iowa State, especially there as a fan. But, like, do you think doing that kind of gives the team naturally a hangover? Because I bring it up because, I like, it happened to Nebraska, right? Right. It happened earlier to Arkansas when they beat Duke in the ACC uh, SEC challenge. Yep. They rushed the court, and now they're really struggling. Like, they're not yeah. playing good basketball, and they got a talented roster. So do you think, like, rushing the court is kind of bad mojo? UCF rushed the court after they beat Kansas. Are they going to struggle now? You know, I mean, UCF lost to BYU. I, I don't know. Like, I, Iowa State hasn't done it in a long time. I think the last time I hate to even bring up this game was against Iowa in 2015, 2016. Yeah. It was a Jared Utah game. Probably shouldn't have stormed the court. We were ranked fourth. I get why we did it. We were ranked fourth. Iowa wasn't ranked. But it was the way that game ended. I think Iowa State was down 15, 16 points at half. It was an incredible finish to the game. Utah looked gonna, like Larry Bird for the first yeah. half. <laughs> I'm not going to let – like I'm not – I'm never going to be anti-storm the court, anti-storm the field. However, I think it's just – a boss ass move to be like, so what? We beat the we beat the second best team in the country. Another Tuesday in Ames, yeah. Iowa. Like I, I just think that's like just such a you know, real G's move in silence like lasagna. As, oh, yeah. as a poet once said. So I, I just think that's like I just think that's top dog shit. I just love it. I'm not gonna lie. We, we I don't know if it's bad mojo, but I I think it's cool that we didn't do it. Yeah, it, I, if we did rush the court, Kevin Sampson would have pissed down his leg too, because yeah. he's he's a pretty old guy. Like I don't know if yeah. he's real agile. If he can move around a bunch of guys from Kappa Sigma, you know, just yeah. rushing him it, with pure ecstasy in their face. I don't I don't know. I, I just I don't see him winning that battle. Yeah, but, that, um, <laughs> that's a get to the get to the tunnel as quick as you can. I think yeah. that's for anyone. If someone stormed the court and you're the opposing team, get that hell out of there. It's so funny with older coaches too. Like I remember they did this a bunch later in Coach K's career, but like he literally had to be like carried off the floor yeah. if they if they got upsetted. Like in his later years, he was just so brittle that kid, like and there probably some punk that would be like, I'm gonna clock him and like right. like so you yeah. need like guys like that need security. So yeah, it's it's tough. But, um, uh, speaking of needing security, last time Iowa State was in BYU, road game coming up on Tuesday, and we're just going to touch on this quickly, Nigel. Uh, I brought it up on this podcast once, but I this is one of my favorite and earliest memories. Melvin Edgem flipping off the crowd in Provo. And Melvin Edgem, soft-spoken guy from Canada. I, I'm not sure if you can get more polite than Melvin Edgem was. Mm -hmm. And for him to give the double birds, I don't know what was set up in Provo. I'm guessing it wasn't great by the students. BYU was clearly there. the problem. Could have been. Could have been. I'm not pointing fingers, but Melvin Edgem was, and that's good enough for <laughs> he me. He was. <laughs> um, we, we go up there Tuesday. BYU, not as bad on defense as I thought they were going to be. I was yeah. looking up their metrics earlier. But they really live and die by the three-point ball. And one tidbit that I just thought was interesting, um, they have the second-highest percentage of their points come from three-point shots. And Iowa State has the second-highest percentage of their points coming from two-point shots. So these are two teams, both good on offense, but they just get their offense from different parts of the floor. Iowa State's going to crash the paint. They're going to try to get it into their bigs. Their guards are going to try to cut to the lane. Or BYU is just comfortable to sit on the perimeter and just fire away. So I think it, it still will be a clash of two styles. I thought it was going to be kind of like an Iowa State has great defense. BYU has great offense. BYU doesn't have great defense. Iowa State doesn't have great offense. 
not exactly the case, but they just their offense comes from different parts of the floor. The yeah. main and I think it's a good chance for uh, Iowa State to kind of get the redemption against a good three-point shooting team. I have, I don't think we've yeah. seen a great one since Virginia Tech. Right. Or at least a team that's just had a day like Virginia Tech did against us. So right. I think on the road, like a, a true road test, I think it's going to be a great, um, not to be redundant, but test for the Cyclones just to be able to, you know, kind of, earn that trust back that if a team is a good shooting team, they can handle their own. Cause in my head, given watching the Virginia tech game, it's like, I kind of now have anxiety when it comes to a team that can shoot the three. Is that really going to be our kryptonite this year? Cause come March, all it takes is one team to get hot and then you're cooked. You know, next thing you know, you're losing to pit by 20 and no one saw that coming. So I just, I just feel like it's a good chance. uh, Like, okay. State, earn your stripes back, you know, get game by game and to, to potentially be three and O in conference going into the weekend. Or, uh, I mean, that, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. And I think three it's going to be huge for the, uh, the rankings, Oklahoma, but, Oh, well, no, excuse me. <laughs> so I get what you're saying. three and one going, I forgot, I honestly like out of sight, out of mind with the Oklahoma game. I yeah. forgot it happened after the Houston game. It was so high that if that felt like the best, like the first game of the conference year, but yeah. just to, to go back to my last point, I mean, earn, earn your stripes back because yep. I think it's going to be important to show the fans that, hey, we can guard you know a three-point team, and I, I think they'll do a well job. It's just I do worry about BYU officiating. I don't know if that varies. Is it still going to be Big 12 refs, or is it going to be like the same guys who are, because of the distance now of the conference expanding, are they going to just keep their same refs that they had in their other conference? I think it's still – I think it has to be Big 12 crews. I think mm-hmm. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Another thing, just to put in perspective, how much BYU shoots a three, they as a team have almost 100 more three point shots made than Iowa state this season. Yeah. They're almost at 200. Iowa state's just above 100. And then, yeah, I think the key to the game, turn BYU over and limit open three point shots. They're going to, they're going to shoot threes. Just make them contested, make them tough. Yeah. If, if you if they are able to pass the ball around the horn and get reversals and find an open guy in the corner, that is how BYU can go in a 9-0 run in a hurry. So I limit open threes. I know it's easier said than done. And then turn the ball over to not even let them get a shot off. I, I think those are the two keys of the game to me. Also, a little saber metrics here for you, Nigel. Four married players on this BYU team. They're feeding families up there in Provo. So... <laughs> Man, I have so many jokes, but I'm going to keep them in the chamber. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, we kind of talked about upset week. I do want to say I am thoroughly shocked at kind of the standings of the Big 12. It's a lot of muddy in the middle. Oklahoma State, the only 0-3 team. Kind of surprising. UCF has a win. Cincinnati has a win. Some of these teams that we thought were going to be at the bottom are mm-hmm. not, and even above that, they're pulling off pretty big upsets. West Virginia beat Texas, and then shout the out to West Virginia because I, I I crapped on you guys and you you yeah. you gave it to them horns down. Yep, uh, and then Baylor and Texas Tech only only teams that are undefeated in the Big Twelve still both three and zero. So um, I th- I think it'll be I think it's going to be muddy. Like I, I think yeah. you look at the middle of the standings right now; it's a lot of one and two and a lot of two and one. And I think as the season goes on, it's going to look a lot like, you know, seven and five, eight and four, six and three, 
Yeah. It, it's just going to be, you know, you have some losses, you have some wins, and everybody's kind of one or two games back. There's going to be 10 teams that are right there till the very end. So I love this conference, man. It's going to be tough. I think if Iowa State can steal one of these two road games between BYU and TCU, that's huge. Um, but, man, it doesn't get – there's no – no place on the calendar to hide. I think we've seen it in this to start the big season. I do got to ask real quick. I mean, I really thought Houston was going to be a good opportunity, especially since it was so muggy and defensive oriented. Like we were going to get a sample size of Omaha at this point. Yeah. Mano Imano. Is that brother red shirting or what? Cause what is going on? Like I'm tired of being real, like passive aggressive. Like what? Like what is going on? I and, and it's we like saw. I want transparency, buddy. If it if it is what it is, like he's not ready. Okay, Bronny James had a heart attack and he's in the rotation at USC. Like what right. is the problem? You know? I, yeah, I think a hard <laughs> question needs to be asked. I'm not gonna ask Ox that question, but I think there does need to be some clarification. We saw him at the very end of that. Uh, Oklahoma State game he got a rebound but again it was like with a minute and a half and you know the whole arena got up and cheered for him so yeah. like the fans haven't turned their backs on him I know that but yeah I I would like to know kind of the reasoning or the um strategy going on behind closed doors because I I don't really I don't have a good answer for you I guess yeah. is what I'm saying I mean, it's just I, I'll be driving home from work, and I just I start start thinking about it. It yeah. generally bothers me, but yeah, I again, know. I like like the, I learned this from the Angel Reese situation when she was out. If they're not disclosing something, it's not my business. At the end of the day, um, right. I also don't want to put extra, you know, voices, I guess, in in Omaha's head if he ever sees a clip like this out here. But because um, I know that can that can hinder people's confidence too. But right. I I just because I it's like. I feel like kids haven't turned on him because it's like, well, we haven't got a chance to even play. You right. know, I feel like that's-, that, that's the thing. If we saw him struggling and it's not like he's played fantastic in the minutes he has played, but I don't think he's played bad enough to where it's like, oh, this guy can't hang. Yeah. Like I, I haven't seen that from him. I've, I, you know, I, I've seen him make mistakes, but he's a freshman. So I don't, I don't know. Everybody makes mistakes. I, so I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like, uh, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like the men in black. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it real? Is it not? Is the hype real? Or, or have we been bamboozled? You know? I don't know. I, I think that's kind of the only conundrum, the only question mark gray area on this Iowa State team this whole season. I, I think there's been so much plus side, so much positives. And you know this too. Like, as long as your team's winning, a lot of things can kind of fly under the radar. Like, winning yeah. is kind of the answer to all problems. So, you know, if Iowa State keeps winning, I, I think Omaha's happy. I think fans are happy. I think coaches are happy. But if we start losing and we have a five-star on the bench that's the highest-ranked recruit in Iowa State history, I think eyeballs are going to naturally kind of start turning to the end of the bench and be like, maybe maybe play the five-star? Yeah. I don't know. And it, Well, it, it, I think I'm just getting anxious about it because, too, I know the era we're in with right. the transfer portal. It's so easy now. It, it's like – a no-brainer it's free agency at this point so i guess it's like me trying to avoid that from happening especially because like at this rate i mean we're in the middle of january like his nba stock is not good you know right. and 
like I don't he's probably not even on draft boards, you know. So it, yeah. it, it I just hope it's not a situation where it's like we're kind of just waiting for him to enter the portal. It's like I would love to have actually seen him get a genuine chance in competitive basketball, not against Wisconsin Green Bay in the non-competitive games we played in our season. So hopefully, uh, th- hopefully things turn the corner for him because I, I, I've, I've always been rooting for him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, a lot of great basketball coming up this week, folks. I, I think a lot of teams are going to stay on upset alert. Um, Big 12 is going to be a grind. And two road games. I, I think both are going to be really tough. BYU is ranked. I, I think they'll still stay in the rankings. Um, and TCU could be ranked as well. Iowa State could be ranked. Whole Big 12 ought to be ranked, I guess. Is, well, I mean, one more question. I mean, it's 9 o'clock right now. We're filming this on Monday, 9 yeah. a.m. What do you think our number is coming in? Because Texas lost. They were 25. So Yeah. I think we might sneak into like the 23, 22 range. I think beating Houston and then beating Oklahoma State so convincingly, I think gives us a pretty good chance uh, of being up there. The net ranking loves us. Ken Palm loves us. Um, but I think AP finally gives us some respect. I'm going to I'm gonna go on a limb and give us a teen, a, a late teen. Wow. Could be. Just, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of those teams lost towards the yeah. end of the AP. Well, and uh, just because of the national attention we got, and I feel like that's right. sometimes what happens is like, We'll upset a big, big 12 opponent and we won't get the national attention. So people just kind of forget to vote. So I don't know. I think hopefully the AP does us this solid. It would do huge for not only probably the team's confidence, but us as fans. Like that would be great to see early January going into the later games uh, because we still got a lot in front of us um, to see us in the late teens because the only way is up, you know? Yeah. I will say to all basketball fans out there, I give so much more um, respect to Ken Palm than I do to AP. I think AP is a lot of recency bias. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a lot of human bias in general. Yeah. It's a lot of like, I'm just going to look at the scores of who won who. And I like, I don't even blame a lot of these guys are like national college basketball reporters from New York and California and Washington, all across the country. They don't have time to watch every game, but I think, you know, it's a lot of, oh, they had a good week. You know, I'll put them at 20. Yeah. So I focus on analytics more than I focus on rankings, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. And but. you're kind of playing with averages at that point because it's more than one person voting too. Right. So it's it's uh, it's politics at the end of the day. It is. It's just that's what makes the parody because if, if there wasn't that element, there'd be no parody in college basketball. It'd just be teams right. beating on teams. Right. No. So. Yeah, I think it, it looks good when – you meet a team that has a little number two next to it. It definitely yeah. feels better. I'm not discounting. I like a lot of those top teams are the top teams for a reason. But mm-hmm. um, with that being said, Nigel, I, I did a 12 hour day yesterday, looking at about a 14, 15 hour day of work today. You got anything left you'd like the people to know? Uh, not much, man. Let's just keep this. Let's keep this train rolling. We're, we're good vibes right now. Um, uh, I, I feel like we haven't done this a lot at the end of our episodes. Uh, I do want to give a lot of love and appreciation just to our fans that do yep. tune in every every week. Uh, I know we've had some disputes with a few individuals. That's okay. That's life. Um, but the 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 other mass, the, the greater mass of you know our fans, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the kind words. They don't go unnoticed. Um, the people who constantly show love on social media, uh, we love you guys. So we appreciate you, and uh, happy MLK Day. There you go. And I, I would like to say, like, I feel like this podcast started about a year ago now in edit room A in KCCI. 
when it was just you and me talking talking hoops yeah it's awesome to have this platform it's awesome to you know to be able to do this stuff so yes i I also want to share that gratitude share the thanks to everybody that's been tweeting at us please continue to do so good or bad i I just like engagement so if you guys got things you want us to address if you got questions for us by all means i'm i'm online so you know let us know if I don't get back to you, it's because I'm writing up a VO. But I, I also, too, want to just give, like, too, like, you gave me kind of a retrospect moment. But also, like, I think back to a year ago yet tomorrow, it was a Texas game. I remember right. I was still a college senior. So, like one would, I went out that night and celebrated sure. pretty hard. Next morning, didn't have class in the morning. And I got an email from KCCI saying, hey, come in on the 30th. I was like, wow. Let's go. Got a paid internship. Let's let's get this started. And that that email changed my life. Like a year later, I'm a sports reporter full time. Didn't think I'd be in Louisiana out of all places. Uh, I've been to a lot of cool places already, and it's just it's crazy how your life can change in a year. And I'm I'm so glad of what that internship brought me and my friendship with you too. So it's just been it's been one hell of a year. And uh, let's just keep this momentum moving. Like I said earlier, I was sports leader, baby. All right, let him cook. Big week of Big 12 basketball head. We love you guys. Go Clones. Roll Clones, baby.